0: And welcome to Inspiring Women Leaders, the podcast about leadership by women only, from which everyone can learn. Inspiring Women Leaders aims to showcase the extensive leadership knowledge and practical skills of its incredible guests, and to both inspire and educate its listeners, helping them acquire the know how necessary to become better leaders themselves. Without further ado, I'd now like to welcome my guest. So please sit back, relax, And enjoy this episode of Inspiring Women Leaders. Hello and welcome to another episode of Inspiring Women Leaders. Today, I'm really excited to welcome to the show my good friend, Saj Zafar. Saj is a leadership trainer, motivational speaker, author of Live Your Chosen Life, How to Stop Existing and Start Living, and an accredited personal and professional development coach. She's also the founder of Institute for Change, a specialist training and coaching consultancy, which primarily focuses on helping organizations create inclusive cultures. Having spent a lifetime overcoming barriers, defying many gender roles and stereotypes and achieving many firsts, Saj delivers her training and coaching programs to a diverse range of organizations specializing in helping and supporting senior leaders to get the best out of their workforce. Qualifying in social work and graduating in forensic psychology, it's no surprise that at the tender age of 24, Saj ended up in prison. One of her claims to fame is being the first and youngest Asian female to join the prison service as a prison governor. Not surprisingly, the very things that helped to catapult her to success, young, Asian and female, became her challenges as she tried to strive and thrive in a predominantly white male environment. Her can-do mindset, attitude and resilience led her to spend the next 20 years working in challenging areas of both local and central government from setting up the first therapeutic unit for young sex offenders in the UK, leading on transformational change programmes in failing institutions, working for the prison and probation ombudsman, prison reform and public protection, led her to build an exemplary reputation in strategic leadership, working effectively with senior leadership teams, including government ministers and senior officials in both local and central governments. It is these credentials that led her to uh, her appointment as the ministerial engagement lead for Grenfell and subsequently the Windrush programme. She is a renowned authority in leadership development and organisational change. She has a professional credibility with a proven track record of leading, shaping and influencing large, complex change programmes within regulated environments. It's her ability to create psychological safe spaces, have candid and courageous conversations, that have led her to become the go-to person for gender and race equality. Saj uses her experiences and weaves these into her training, coaching, and mentoring to make learning interesting, impactful, and of value for the participants. Her own experience of working in all-male environments as the only female leader and managing those relationships, regardless of the treatment she experienced, she managed to thrive and strive, making her today one of the subject leads in helping organizations change the demographics of the top tier. So I think that is uh, an in- incredibly impressive um, resume that I've, I've just read out there. Um, without further ado, let's meet Saj Zafar. Welcome to the show, Saj. Thank you so, so much for agreeing to come on and speak to the show's audience.
1: No, thank you. Thank you. Do I call you Doctor Adam or are you Adam? <laughs> <laughs>
0: just call me. Adam is fine. Adam is oh, fine. Right. because I love the fact that you
1: introduced me as a friend and I thought, oh okay, do we do the formalities here or do we just plunge in and just
0: meet No, them? no, no, no. We are well, we are we are friends. That is true. That wasn't just for the introduction. <laughs>
1: the fact that we've spoken at least once before
0: exactly but it was a, it was a deep connection that we made in, was, in that in was. that, that no, was a thank
1: good... you thank you adam it's such a privilege and honor to be in this space and thank you for inviting me um, i've listened to your podcast and and to to be amidst all those inspiring women leaders uh it's just like i said it's very humbling and very uh it's a privilege and honor on my part so thank
0: well. you well it the honestly the the privilege is all mine you are um a, a stellar guest um in 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 the same kind of uh level as all of my other guests so thank you thank you so much and I mean just the fact that you're the the youngest and and first Asian woman um prison governor I mean prison go- we, we all watch those kind of like TV dramas with the governor you know and you you were that person I mean this yeah. is so exciting for me so um <laughs> so I mean I've um I've read out that um inc- incredible bio that you um provided me with and uh, really appreciate that but can you in your own words just kind of you know kind of personalize it a little bit tell the audience a bit more about yourself including your current work roles and and the leadership positions you've you've held in the past as well please
1: Okay. I think um, I'm going to start off with who I am and, and how my story unfolded. Uh, and we'll eventually get to the prison government bit, which I know that you're you're anticipating. I'm waiting. <laughs> I'm excited with about friend. that. <laughs> excited. Um, but I just want to give a little bit of context because, um, as, as you probably can see and hear, uh, I am from the South Asian descent. So my, my parents are typically from uh, Kashmir. And, and migrated uh, in the late 70s to the uk and, and my my dear father uh landed in a small south uh yorkshire mining village where we were the first asian family uh to to, to, to live and and so um just going back in time you know as one of the first Asian families both parents illiterate uneducated really sort of here to, to make a bit of money and return home that's what Dad used to say you know and um so my life was pretty uneventful for the first five years and then uh, uh obviously at the age of five I went to school and that's when I first became aware of my difference and the difference I'm talking about, the fact that I was going to be different to all the other children. Um, Sadly, this didn't land well, because um, if you can imagine, uh, playgrounds can be spaces of uh, uh, immense joy, but at the same time, cruelty. So um, because I was different to all the other children, uh, frustratingly didn't speak a word of English, I looked different, I smelled different, uh, hence which then uh, led to uh, bullying. And uh, and I'm just gonna fast forward the next five, six years uh, where, Um, the running theme of my so-called life became the fact that uh, teachers were consistently complaining to my parents saying that uh, uh, I was always distracted um, you know wasn't putting the effort in uh, wasn't doing or achieving as well as the other children Uh, and 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 what I'm going to use this in a very light it was a very schizophrenic uh, life even at those tender years where on one hand you've got the school which is excelling and, and it's, a, it's a learning hub and and you you don't fit in because you can't speak the language let alone do the work that's expected of you and then you've got illiterate uneducated parents that don't speak a word of English and, and very insular inward thinking and really protective about their culture and who they are and their identities so I was growing up with this so it was no surprise by the time I was in and uh you know staying uh, uh, getting detention after school was a, a readily thing uh consistently having fights and ending with black eyes and bruises and and uh, teeth marks because uh, girls when they fight they tend to to bite more often and pull hair so so these this became the kind of feature of my upbringing or, or my growing years and um by the age of 11 uh after uh um, a detention uh, uh i i was jumped by some bullies and and that's when i was stabbed so you know um so that's happened at the age of 11 by the time i'm 15 adam um things are pretty miserable for me Uh, because now I'm starting to realise that that the life I'm actually born into, which kind of contributes to to the writing of the book, is the life of not of my choosing. It's the life that I've been um, born into. Um, And, you know, because I'm a female child, there are no expectations from my parents or or from the extended family. Uh, You know, the best that they can hope for is an arranged marriage and a brood of children. And interestingly, that is the same expectations that uh, my white teachers had of me. So when I went to one of my career advisors at the age of 15 and said, you know i, I wanted i want to do my gcses and i want to do really well because i recognized if i had an education perhaps then i could break away from from my so-called life and and he just you know i, I, I literally remember you know verbertum it was what you know stop wasting your time you know the best that you can expect is an arranged marriage and pushing out children uh, and you know so i just felt i was stuck in this this place, very unhappy space. Uh, uh, and it was around that time that I decided that um, perhaps my ambition of breaking free was too ambitious. And I'd uh, and, and grown up with that shame and guilt and fear the fact that um, as a female child, if you grew up, uh, the best you could hope for is, was marriage, and the only other way to escape was death. And none of those two appealed to me. So, um, and then around. Just after my GCSEs, I decided that I um, uh, I was never going to leave. And the best way to do it was to end things. And that's when I took a heavy overdose um, and ended up uh, uh, in A&E, having my stomach popped out. And the next day being transferred across to, to the psychiatric unit where a beautiful blonde female psychiatrist assessed me and said that I was having an identity crisis and my father's interpretation of that was one way ticket back to Kashmir so if you imagine the first 15 years of my you know life have been about struggling trying to fit in as an Asian female into a Western world. Now at the age of 16, I'm being sent back to Kashmir uh, and where there's no running water, no electricity. People talk a language that I can't speak a word of. So one minute I'm sat on my bed, drooling over George Michael, envisaging that he and I were gonna meet and live happily ever after. That's before I discovered he was gay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, uh, and the next minute, I am being transported to, to, to this small remote village in one of the most remotest parts of the himalayan mountains and being told that i have no ticket back to the uk and uh two years four months and 15 days i spent there Uh, So uh, before I could negotiate a return back to the UK, negotiated a return back because, you know, um, despite all of this happening to me, and as you can probably see, a lot of trauma, uh, you know, and there was something innate about me that was always about wanting to come back and coming back much more stronger and I was talking to a dear friend of mine not so long ago and we were trying to unpack this and she said it just seems that there was this bloody mindfulness about you that you was determined not to become a statistic or fit any stereotype or meet any expectations and you were just going to do your own thing and I think that was the running theme So, um, I went to university, managed to negotiate uh, a place at the university as long as I travelled in the morning and returned home in the evening, which was absolutely fine, and after four years uh, of um, graduating, on the day I graduated, or finished the the last of university, unbeknown to my parents, I had a one-way ticket out of the country. To, um, uh, so that I could fly out. And by the time four o'clock would happen, my parents would be expecting me to walk through the door. Instead, they would get a, a letter telling them that I'd left, basically, I'd like run away. Uh, fast forward six weeks uh, on the run uh, until I came to a realisation that, um, you know, I didn't want to spend the rest of my life running because now I was listed as a, as a missing person. Mm. And uh, and I'm sure you know honor killings and uh, to treat girls uh, in a particular way, especially those that are rebellious or not conforming. You know, you know, it was much. It was a reality for us. We grew up Mm. with that. That you know, um, uh, such behaviors were not going to be tolerated. And if you stepped out of line, then there would be punishment you know um, so um but i decided that you know um one of the things that i wasn't going to do was live on the run so uh, i called my parents and met my father uh, in a cafe in a very neutral place uh and um and uh, and as i sat there in that cafe i'd already processed and began to think that once he would appear There would be lots of men with him, the extended family. Mm. And very likely they would jump me and very likely bundle me into the back of the car. And very likely I would be again on a one way ticket to Kashmir. But I was prepared to face that because I thought anything is better than living in fear and always Mm. consistently moving, knowing that somebody, uh, you know, having to look over my shoulder. And um, my father passed away four years and for most of our life we were always at logheads. uh and I guess particularly didn't understand each other and it looking back now, I think it was one of the most bravest things that my father did. On that particular day, in that cafe, and whilst he struggled to understand why I had done what I had done, and you know, as you can appreciate, you know, he's one of the elders of the community; people respect him, like him, and you know, for his daughter to shame him publicly by running away, mm. uh, it just was not acceptable. And as I tried to articulate to him that I wasn't pregnant, I wasn't using drugs. And the only driver for me leaving home was the fact that I wanted my freedom. I wanted to live a life of my own choosing, which really entailed, it was very limited, by the way. It was very much about get a job, have a nice little place to live, drive a car, Mm. uh, do my own shopping, eat what I wanted and just do what 20 pluses, you know, kind of people Mm. do. Uh, and and he just couldn't process that he couldn't you know understand what was so appealing other than the fact that you know uh, my siblings had accepted arranged marriages and they were now happily allegedly happily married with children and here I was you know tormented by the sheer things that I'd grown up to expect and I should have accepted um cut long story short After about an hour of talking to one another, there came, I don't know what it was. I've never asked him and I never got to ask him. And in a split second, dad just looked at me and he just said, he said, this really means a lot to you, doesn't it? And I said, yes. And he said, we're never going to be able to stop you from doing this. I said, no. And he said, "Um, you know that I've come uh, fully armed with most of the community men, and uh, they're all expecting me to bring you out To put you in the back of the car drive you up to the airport and put you on an airplane back home and i said i know that and he said i'm not going to do that and i said oh what are you going to do then and he says is there a back door to this place and i said yes i think so there should be and he says what i'm going to suggest is i'm going to stay seated and i want you to use the back door And I said, I want you to run, and I don't want you to ever look back. And that's what I did. I made my escape. I started running, never looked back, and landed in London. And because I was a forensic psychologist, that's what I'd studied. My first ever job was inside a prison there were two places that i was going to end up one was prisons one was going to be um the police i ended up in prison Mm. i set up the first therapeutic unit for young sex offenders thoroughly thoroughly loved my work and um which was quite a, a bizarre thing that um unbeknown to me uh leaders or seniors or staff were watching me because obviously here i was this young asian female in an all male environment it was a young offenders institution uh all the senior leaders were white men in suits all the staff were white men in uniforms with a few female uh, uh prison officer female officers and then we had uh prisoners between the ages of 16 to 21 uh, who i was very close in age to and they were like you know how does somebody like this end up in a place like this and manage to survive and i did i didn't only survive i did really really exceptionally well and um you know i don't mind sharing i think we might as well go all out uh, i've spent years in therapy and i think the connection my therapist made was the irony of my story is that i spent most of my life trying to escape and then you know I end up in prison, the only place where I feel safe. I feel as though um, it's the place where I can connect and build relationships and, and be comfortable in. So that, that's the irony of that story. But um, I I ran the unit for, for five years and then I was approached by the senior governor who who basically, and, and the beauty of prison service uh, or prisons is that, I, I'd like to think that they, when we're looking at the um, uh, diplomacy scale, they're very crude and crass. They don't mince their words. There's no such thing as pink and fluffy. And if they've got to say something, you're never ever left feeling confused as what did, did somebody say that to me? So uh, uh, and and the words that were used to describe me was you're very ballsy. You know, I like your attitude. I love the fact that, you know, you seem quite settled uh, and you need, you know, you've got a lot of respect from both staff and prisoners alike and and what he recommended. And I guess he saw something in me that I didn't even. I was just so grateful for the job uh, and was happily doing what I loved doing. And he invited me to apply to the leadership programme. Uh, which is a fast track program. And the only thing that I I remember saying back to him was the fact that um I was happy to do the leadership program which meant that i could become a prison governor i said but i'm not doing the uniform bit i'm not doing that you know not that it was anything beneath me but i just thought i'm not going to go on that level so i'd rather stay as a suit um and and so six months later i graduate the program and um the director general turns up it's a big sort of you know pompous thing that happens you know and guests are invited and speakers and and we're all all lined up and there's 20 of us lined up 17 white men as you can imagine and two white women and then there's me and um and as I'm standing there, what, what our trainer tells us beforehand is that you'll get a brown envelope and because the cameras will be on you, you'll open the com- the envelope and you announce the prison that you're going to. And and he says, you know, no, you, none of you have need any worry because the prison that's been selected for you is going to be a low risk security prison something somewhere where you can go settle and you know sort of embed your learning and, and really grapple with you know stuff that you've been learning here at the training college so everybody opens their 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 ambulance you know what's coming and then it gets to today and, and because I'm the youngest on the programme. So, you know, I'm 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 known that, you know, I'm gonna be at the front of jokes and sound. So when I yeah. open my envelope, I immediately think it's a candid camera moment. So I look around thinking, okay, you, you're having a laugh. You, you are, aren't you? And uh where's my real envelope? And then there's like pin drop silence and people are just waiting like she's opened the envelope, can you just make the announcement so we can move on? <laughs> and, and, you know, I, and the trainer is looking at me, glaring at me, to sort of say, you know, like, come on, say what? And I'm, like, looking back and thinking, well, this is not the prison that I'm going to, I know it's not, I need to, like, you, need to you know. So I said, it says here, I'm going to HMP Wormwood Scrubs. And, and oh,
2: wow. Like,
1: looking at me, and I'm like, now come on, give me my real envelope, and there's, like, no Sash, that is the real one it's like what <laughs> and i said no no that is your first prison so i i turn up uh at Wellwood scrubs and um one of the most notorious high-risk prisons uh in, in central london uh and um i'll never forget i i report into uh, for duty as you do you have a little brown envelope to introduce yourself and to report into duty and as I reached the, the glass pane and there's an officer behind, without even looking up, uh, it, you know, he points to the other door and he said, staff, doctors, psychiatrists, social workers, visitors, the other side. And I stand still and I'm not moving. So, like, he's getting a little bit flustered with me, like, why isn't she going to the other side? And I said, I'm not a social worker. I'm not your probation officer. I'm not your solicitor. I'm not a visitor, you know? Uh, and he said, Well, who are you? And I said, I'm your new prison governor. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Was, you know, me saying that and him just sort of looking at me thinking, this is another candid camera moment. This can't be for real, right? And he's looking around, thinking, "Oh yeah, really?" You know, pull the other one, and and you know. So that was my introduction to prisons, and uh, I'm pleased to say uh, it's a very unique, you know, leadership journey because that's why we're in this space. But um, you know, usually people work towards to to reach those heights. I uh, was catapulted into that space. And uh, if truth be known, Adam, uh, I'm gonna talk like a a, a a prison governor, so I'm gonna drop some F-bombs a long way and say it as it is. But I didn't know my ass from my elbow, right? Imagine you're 20 something year old, right? You go away to a uh, the prison service college which you, and you learn all you know, which is very protected. It's not a real environment, right? And then you then you go into a real prison and you're expected to know the drill. You're expected to know the job. You're expected to know everything, but but everything that you've learned into into, you know. But these are real life people. And and the beauty of or the uniqueness of prisons is nobody wants to be there. The prisoners don't definitely don't want to be there. The staff don't wish to be there. And Mm. and those are set of circumstances that you, you know, you find yourself in. And uh, I was once interviewed, and you know, because there was a little bit of a celebration, and you know, sort of about the fact that I was first, and I was young, and I was Asian and female, you know, uh, coming into this leadership space. And somebody asked me what what were the challenges, and I said the very things that I, you know, got me here, you know, because prison service was, you know, wanting to diversify, and, mm, mm. you know, and I said. Those became my challenges. The fact that I am young, I am Asian, I am Muslim, I am female. So I'm now in a situation where I am a minority, minority of a minority, you know. Mm. And I I said, there's nobody like me for miles around. And not only do I have to do the job in hand, but I have to navigate myself. And, um, you know, and from very early onset, I realized that one of the things that was getting in my own way or in the way of me being taken seriously was the fact that I was a female and I was young. And, you know, so and, and so I decided to edit myself so that I could fit in and, and, and by fitting in, so my whole physical presentation, you know, I didn't wear skirts, I didn't show cleavage, I didn't have my hair down, I didn't wear jewelry. I was very much, you know, um, Editing myself to 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 look as least feminine as possible. Does that make sense? Mm. Mm. Uh, so that I could fit in. And and if I was in the mess, or if I was in the gym, or if I was on the landing, when they were talking, this is I'm talking about staff. And, and when they were talking, if they were making racist jokes or sexist jokes, they'd look up, see me. But then they'd be like, "Oh, it's okay, it's Sash, because you know she's one of us." And I realised from very early that in order to be one of us, I couldn't really be me, but I had to blend in to be as near as possible like them, mm.
3: to,
1: to, to help me survive that environment. And I was very, very lucky that you know I enjoyed what I did. Uh, I was very comfortable in, in that environment. And, you know, I've got lots of memoirs and, and things. I think after 10 years, I probably can write a, a book and get away with it. Uh, uh, and then, yeah, and then I, I uh, along the way, I got married, had two beautiful children, realised couldn't have a, a breast, you know, a child on the breast a child on the hip and run a prison you know so yeah. in the end uh, i took leave which was a very difficult decision for me i moved into uh central government and then just navigating my career but the the my branding or my reputation became very much around um change management continuous improvement so anything that wasn't working uh you know i i, I was your woman and mm-hmm. so, uh, interestingly, when Grenfell happened, I became the the national lead for that, for the for number ten and minister for Grenfell victims, and then subsequently worked on the Windrush program. And that's that takes me up to 2019 when I had a health scare, decided to reevaluate my life, and then decided that um, I was going to to do something which involved paving the way for other women coming up behind me, uh, knowing that in in the latter years that whenever I went into spaces, that I would be the only female in those spaces at that level. More importantly, I was the only woman of colour in those spaces, so Mm. I wanted to to leave something behind. And so hence today I'm a leadership coach for women, Mm. And I help um, organizations, you know, become more inclusive because whilst we're in a very healthy EDI space, as I call it, there is still a lot of illusion of inclusion, what mm-hmm. we think and what our intentions are, but they're not translating into reality. And disproportionately, we know that women, especially women of color, are still at the bottom of organizations so what i tend to do is work with those particular women to get them into a state of readiness to sort of say it doesn't matter what the organization believes or thinks because it's going to take a little while for them to to you know we've been here a long time and you know we still haven't made those that progression as we should have but you yourself can be start to get responsible for you and hold yourself accountable and start to to smash your own glass ceilings and pick the way if you if you're ambitious and have aspirations and that's where I am. my gosh that was a long way wasn't it God, <laughs> that was my age
0: <laughs> that's right <that's laughs> that is a that's a that's a life story and a half I'm uh I'm 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 blown away by that firstly thank you for your 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 candor um you know and kind of sharing um a, a lot of personal personal stuff and and sensitive stuff and and you know potentially upsetting stuff as well I'm um, I'm you know I'm really grateful to you for sharing um those aspects of your story and they will um no doubt be um, little little gems for the the listeners to to pick up pick oh, up on you. and 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 hopefully you know there will be um, you know in in some in some areas of society um, things haven't moved on so there may well be people who uh, somehow um, get wind of of this podcast and and this particular episode uh, who are in a situation that you were in when you were a youngster yeah. um and this this will give them um, a massive amount of um inspiration and and hopefully courage and and confidence to to do you know um to to break free from uh, a life that hasn't been chosen for them yeah. um so really uh really blown away by that by that story um i mean um yeah it's um it's pretty it's pretty clear to me uh as a an objective listener that the reason that you um not only survived but thrived in those really challenging um work environments like with with sex offenders and the you know the the prisons that you know the upper echelons of the prison service and and so on is that all that the um that you had been sort of subjected to in your your younger life all the bullying um and um having um, a, a challenging sort of um how can i put this um diplomatically a sort of challenging parent child dynamic yeah. shall yeah. we say um yeah. that um you know I, I I know um you know some some other women of colour with um with with parents from certain backgrounds and uh you know it's fair to say that the the parents can be um, bullies as well and um you know so to to have uh if i mean my point is if you can kind of stand up for yourself against against all of that you know against the playground bullies against people that people that knife you um and uh against a um uh you know a, a, a father who you know would have wanted to have just sent you back to yeah. you know, the motherland um for you know for you to kind of get married and, and to, to stand up against that yeah. shows just you know ridiculous amounts of courage um and and confidence and I'm <laughs> you know I I, <clears throat> I have a few tiny little snippets of um situations in my life where I I have stepped up and felt brave um and you you sort of don't you know you don't know where that you don't know where that confidence is coming from do, do oh. you really it's like it just it just kind of comes upon you it's it almost sort of takes over you and it's like i, I didn't realize i was capable of that and mm. but for you to kind of have lived years like that you know yeah. um just just incredible just re- really really inspiring really yeah. um so thank you so much that is no.
1: and and <laughs> as rightly said as, as <laughs> yeah no, um, as you've said it, for me at the time, uh, I mean, now, don't get me wrong, years of, of therapy, counselling, coaching, mm. um, you know, I've made a, a piece of, you know, i made a, a piece with lots of stuff, wow. um, drawn lines under a lot of stuff uh, and, and really sort of moved forward. But um, at the time, uh, you know, now I know, you know, it was courageous, it was brave, but at the time it was no... It was just me being me. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, yeah. You, you don't, un, you don't understand. You don't know, uh, because for uh, and if you're consistently in that space where you're being challenged and everything that you stand for, every belief that you have, every desire you have, it's just being you know um, taken away and and just refused on, on all accounts and. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that, you know, and nobody ever, um, because they were not educated and they didn't know. And, you know, one of the the reasons why I have been able to draw a line under this is the fact that if you don't know yourself any different, Mm -hmm. you know, you're going to be as good as the parent that you've been parented by. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah.
1: And, and I know all of us grow up sort of saying, "Oh, you know, I don't want to." You know, there are parts of your parent, uh, parent, your parents that you think, "Yes, I'll accept those," but there are parts of. It. But I think we're in a different age now. Whereas, my parents, both uneducated, illiterate. My mother was fourteen years old when she married my father. You know, mm-hmm. and um, they didn't know any different. And then mm-hmm. to, to to be estranged from your own family, to to come and set up home here, and 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 they really hung on for dear life, you know, mm-hmm. to their own culture that believes. Uh, or, uh, you know, with that fear always hanging that, you know, this may get diluted, it might, you know, it might break, it might, mm. you know, we might lose this. And and like, you know, um, there is a saying, the, the tighter you grip sand, you know, the less likely you are able to hold on to it. And, mm. and I think that's that's the analogy I'll use my parents with me, whereas my siblings, they conformed, they took the line, they accepted mm. Um, where there was a there was a part of me that just refused refused mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't the fact that I set out to be a rebel it was, I just knew that what I was asking for would just be basic human rights you yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, I remember yeah. uh, when I turned seventeen getting super excited girls like hand- I was very tomboyish and I know girls like handbags and makeup and stuff like that for me it was cars. And I couldn't mm. wait to learn to drive. And when I went to my father and I said, I want to drive, and he was like, girls don't drive. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, and then I had to, and I was always I was smart enough. I was no, I'm not intelligent. I'm not smart. But at the time I remember, uh I was savvy enough to go away and thought he's just said no to something that I want. How can I get it out of him? And then I went back and I said, you, you know that uh if I learn to drive, then I can take mom to the supermarket twice a week and I can do all the shopping, I can take her to, to the hospitals, and I can drive her around, which would take, you know, would give you respite. Uh, uh. He looked at me and he said, like, Hmm, I like that idea. Yeah, go, you can drive. You know so, <laughs> it, so nothing came readily to me always mm. always having to fight for the slightest thing that you and i take for granted now yeah. but yeah. back then it was like oh god it was like mission impossible <laughs> yeah
0: yeah but even even then you were uh you had natural negotiation skills oh know?
1: definitely i just <laughs> not, I just not accept no i think and i'm glad i didn't because it you know, like going forward in, into into the jobs that I did. Um, you know that um, some. Uh, you know, I, I, of course, when you're in 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 professional spaces, you have to accept what other people say and tell you. So mm-hmm. if somebody says no, you have to be respectful of that. You can't challenge it. You can't push back. Uh, but what I did learn to do when when those no's came, I just learned to pivot and just mm. find something else so for mm. me it was it was not just about resilience but it was always about finding an out like finding a solution finding a way out i never allowed anything to hold me back does that make sense
0: mm. 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 yeah yeah no you were very um very kind of agile with your with your thinking very yeah. um yeah yeah and uh yeah i just want to take take issue with something you said that i think was a bit self deprecating um that you're not that you're not smart and not intelligent that's obviously utter utterly ridiculous um you can't just go through you can't graduate and you can't go through the prison governor uh training without being a smart person and uh you know just because you think you're not traditionally we have this thing that we're only clever if we're book smart. That's that's just that's just yeah. nonsense, isn't it? Yeah. Um. And you are book smart because you, you you graduated. So they, they don't oh, just no, degrees no. aren't just. I'll given take away. that on the
1: chin, Adam. Yeah. I'll take, on, are yeah you're right. Good. Uh, good. I think You are. You, know, you have a um,
0: lot of smarts. Yeah. A lot yeah. of street smarts. I bet. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I guess. Yeah. It's it's about your own interpretations on that. Um, yeah. uh I don't call it smartness. I call it savviness. The fact mm. that uh, I always, you know, I was. I wasn't very good in class but I was very good on the streets yeah. you know so so for me so my smartness came from sort of being able to negotiate yeah. and navigate the street well, you know uh, those are yeah.
0: skills that aren't taught in school and to be no. fair it sounds like <laughs> you didn't really have have a chance at school you were you were constantly being bullied and you know yeah. getting into scrapes and and that that's just a huge distraction which you yeah. know to, to be academically successful you need to have that space yeah. to be able to focus on your studies you you didn't have that so anyway um, um there there endeth my my the subject <laughs> well t- take it in the uh spirit uh, uh which which it's intended which no, it, I do it, it, it I do love love and kindness um what's what's your personal leadership style um now and 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 kind of Has it changed from when you were, you know, in in those very senior leadership roles in? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Two ends of the spectrum, two ends of the spectrum. So um, when you're talking about leadership in prisons or even in in the civil service in central government, Mm. when you talk, you know, I do an exercise with the women on my program, and I say, you know, uh, when I say the word leadership, what comes to mind? And it always, mm, mm. the answer was always consistently the same white privileged male, mm, right? Mm, mm. So, so in order, um, so all the teachings and the training is around that school of thinking that, of, you know, you need to be autocratic, you need to, to be directed, especially in prisons where it's uh, the leadership style is about, um, you know, um, on one hand, it's about diffusing situation, preserving life, but on another hand, it's about security and and just making sure you get through the waking hours without mm. anybody killing each other, you know. And it's as simple yeah. as that. So yeah, yeah. there's very little space of any other intention in intervention other than being direct yeah. and, and reactive, you know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So Uh, And I'll just give you a very uh, quick snapshot. So I came out of prisons and uh, I took on my first role um, uh, uh, in the civil service. And after the first couple of days, me landing, um, and I was very, very lucky and and blessed that I had a member uh, 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 on the the team who used to be an ex-prison officer. So, yeah. so when I landed and after a couple of days, um, Chris was his name and, and he, he took me to one side and he said, um, uh, and this is how old, uh, you know, uh, um, old school he was, although he'd left the prison because he realized that I was a, I'd been a, a prison governor. So he addressed me as mom. OK, so he said to <laughs> me, mom, I, I still I, I think I need to have a word with you. And I said, oh, OK, Chris, you know, and he said uh, quietly, you know when nobody else is listening and I said oh of course yeah let's go so we found a little room and we sat down and I said is everything okay he went no and, he, and I said oh oh uh, okay uh, I said are you going to tell me what it is and he said yeah he said uh, I don't know how to say this because in the prison service there's utmost respect for your seniors and, and mm, you know mm. so So uh, he was really struggling to get into that space and Mm. and tell me what was going on. So in the end, eventually I got it out of him. I said, just spit it out. Just tell me what it is that you need to tell me. And he said, "Um, you need to be a bit more pink and fluffy. I said, oh. He says, you're very (laughs) marmish. I said, marmish? (laughs) He said, you are. He goes, you're forgetting that people in prisons are very different to people out here and I was really taken aback by this and I said oh I said mm. what am I doing that's wrong and he says you're being very directive you're being very autocratic you know he said you can't say and do things like the way you did them in prisons."
2: prison mm.
1: mm. oh okay and He said you have to be very different because people here are very very different and you know, and it made me realize, oh my gosh, you know, I need to mm. be different, and mm. and and you know, really welcomed his feedback. And if, if truth be known, and down, it was a life thing because I could have lost my job. You know, imagine mm. the, the amount of grievances from some yes. of the staff. You know, and and as he as he, the, the funny thing was, as he left the room, and he says, "Stop locking all the doors." <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> you don't have to. Lock everything you know I was like oh okay right right I'm with you um and that showed me that I need to soften up mm, mm. And, and the other thing was language was a big thing for me so in prisons like I say you say it as it is if somebody doesn't understand you know you mm. use that crudeness of you know the language to get your message across whereas yeah, yeah. I had to then learn to reframe things so my two letter emails I had to head and tail both to, to solve. <laughs> you know, this is you know like you know I, this is what I'm trying to say to you, and that took. So for me, I had to unlearn a lot of the stuff
3: and mm-hmm. learn.
1: And then, and even as I, um, I didn't have many good examples of leadership from women. Um, and this is might sh- shock you and 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 some of your listeners, but I'm going to say it, I'm going to put it out there because it's my truth. Okay, some of my greatest allies have been white men. Okay, Mm -hmm. I've
0: said
1: it now.
0: You're you're not the first to say that, to be fair. Okay,
1: some of my worst allies have been other women. Yeah. Right. So when I came out, I had this notion that, oh, my God, I'm going to be amidst my other women, you know, and we're going to build a tribe and we're going to speak the same language and we're going to behave and, you know, our leadership stuff is going to be exactly the same. Oh, how terribly wrong I was, mm. you know. And, and I saw some, uh, you know, I, I, I do a keynote around women behaving badly. And oh my God, real life examples of very senior women, um, that you just cringe at some of the stories of mm. bullying and proving themselves, and, mm. you know, really, you know, um rather than building, breaking down people and 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 having not using their emotional intelligence, have you know lacking that empathy, mm-hmm.
3: um,
1: you know, having different expectations, uh, you know, all of that, let alone, you know, that pulling up of the ladder behind, you know, now that I've yeah. reached here, I don't need anybody else to follow me, you know.
3: Yeah.
1: Um yeah. my gosh, um, you know, uh, so I, I've really shied away, you know. Uh, it's horrible to say this out loud, but i really shied away of engaging or being in those spaces. So when I came out of uh, uh, and designed my uh, career and, you know, I I wanted to make sure that there was, and and what we've seen, you know, and I'm sure you you know already, uh, COVID taught us many lessons. And one of the things that I think it taught us that uh, it took a different type of leadership you know, mm, that we mm. are now using as a template and leaning more into and that's about being more authentic. And it's about, uh, you know, um, being yourself and, yeah, and
0: being vulnerable, bringing
1: the human to the table. Mm, you know, mm. that is what is, I believe is working. And, and, mm, and I put mm. that into practice today. And, and I mm. just feel that I get amazing results from the fact that, you know, like sharing my story, sharing your vulnerabilities, Mm -hmm. you know, it took me a while to... Because in in prisons, you don't share yourself. You're edited. Mm -hmm. You have a thick armour. You can't Mm -hmm. share with people who you are and where you've been and what your story is, whereas now I just... You know, share everything, including my yeah. floors and my warts, and everything that's in the cupboard. So you know, um, it, because it might enable somebody, like you said, it might empower somebody, inspire somebody to make that change. Mm. And um, mm. so I, I, you don't, you're not fearful. You know, you're you're more your true self.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. So my leadership style very very different. Uh, yeah. Beyond recognition, two ends of the spectrum. If you'd met me yeah. today to where you would have met me
0: 10 years ago. Yeah. That's fascinating. Um and I can yeah I can I can see why why they were so different and uh and 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 God bless Chris.
1: We <laughs> we yes, love Chris. God, God. <laughs> no seriously, and um, and I do believe that God sends people into your life for reasons and seasons and purposes and Chris yeah. was a fantastic ally um you know because if you oh. hadn't had that conversation I honestly believe I would have been sacked, or I would have been looking at some disciplinary. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, it, my my career would have taken a huge nosedive.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, you're right. The kind of the public sector outside of the prison service, presumably, and outside of the police force, is a is a very different kind of it is, it pu- is. public service, isn't it? Um, it is. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so uh, so pink and fluffy, but really that 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 translates as. Um, being being authentic and being vulnerable. Um, yeah. And I and I think being courageous, but in a in a different context. Um and having and and really having leaning into that emotional intelligence. Yes. Um as well, being very empathic and and self-aware and so on. Um, yeah, that's uh that's incredible. Thank you so much. Um well the next question was uh, was about your journey to leadership but actually i think we've we've we've, we've really gone into down. that so that's uh, that's wonderful um and the next question after that is about whether there are any people senior senior to you female or male that that helped you rise and and i'm i'm thinking about that prison governor in the the first prison that you worked at when you set up that yeah. very successful service yeah. is that is is that um I mean do you want do you want to t- talk about um how how he helped you or, or or the other people that that helped you
1: no I think he was my first and last
0: yeah
2: yeah <laughs> he
1: really was yeah. um I've never been asked that question but now thinking out loud I'm, I'm just thinking um back then you know he he was very senior um I'm going to just make a presumption that I don't think he's with us. Anymore. Uh um I think he saw something in me that I didn't yeah. know if yeah, that is. Yeah. I had no ambition I was just very very happy yeah. I was happily doing what I was doing enjoying yeah. everything and and you know and and he uh, and I guess when he he offered me that opportunity I took it because yeah. I took it blindly. I, I didn't take it with, I, I, I'm i not going to sit here and say, oh, my God, you know, when I was growing up, I dreamt of being a prison governor, being the first youngest, eight. no, but that's just, it never entered my head you know mm, mm. Uh, girls like me women like me you know we didn't have such aspiration the only aspiration i had at the time was i want to break free i want to you know i want to have my little yeah. job and yeah yeah do that kind of stuff that that was the yeah. important stuff for me so for for him to come along and and then against the backdrop of my schooling where i was always consistently criticized for not applying yeah. myself not being smart enough not being intelligent enough you know not concentrating, not doing well, not getting the grades. So for somebody to come along and says, you know what, I'm looking at you and I think you have the potential to go and do yeah. this program and yeah. it will take you to a space that even you and I both, you know, it may I remember him saying it may or it may not, but he said, you know, but you're going to have a go. You're going to try. Yeah. And yeah. I just yeah. said it yes uh, and oh gosh you are now I remember giggling very girlishly, like, you know, uh, and very immaturely and, and sort of immediately. think Whilst he was talking, I was thinking, oh, my God, I don't want to u- do the uniform thing. I don't want to do the uniform. And and then he asked me and I said, oh, that's the only reservation I have. I did it because out of the respect that I'd been raised to respect elders. And therefore, if he was going to say something, I couldn't necessarily turn around and say, well, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, right. Yeah, so I yeah. kind of thought, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. Know you know, yeah. you know? And, and little did I know what it actually meant until it mm. translated and became my reality.
2: Yeah. And yeah,
1: after that, um, and I don't mean this lightly for all the potential that he saw me, what others failed to see, yeah, was exactly those things, and what others saw is my presentation, they saw yeah. emails they're so young they're so asian they're so muslim and they were like no 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 no." and you know um, very early on because the expectation is when you're doing the fast track program that every 18 months two years you still remain connected with your uh, commissioning body which is the the college and they expect you to to go through the ranks quite rapidly because that's the that's the reason why you're on the accelerate program that's Mm. the the reason why you're fast tracking and after about 18 months, I was told that now you need to look at your next grade and you need to start to, to go for interviews. And, and this is a true story. And um, I went for an interview. And I think you'll also know, Adam, if you look back in your uh, your uh, career journey, sometimes you can go into a, 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 an interview and you just know you've nailed you know, mm, not mm, people mm. from the way you've presented, but the, mm. the kind of reaction that you have got from the panel. Mm, mm. So I had to do this quick little presentation and you know, and then I had to answer a series of questions and I left there, you know, just flying. And I thought, do you know what? I know I've got it. I I just felt it in my bones. I just felt it that that I, you know. And so um, so the next morning the phone call came. And so I was sitting at my desk, the phone call came, and it was the, the governing governor of this particular establishment where I and, and he was the main person on the panel. And he said, Oh, Saj, and this is how the, the conversation I remember it reverted. He said to me, Saj, um, you know, I'm just calling to just this, this first what Can I just say uh you blew us all away?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? So now you and I are sitting here. Twenty years later, when somebody says you blew us away, you immediately think that this is gonna have a fantastic ending. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: But even as soon as he uttered those words, and in those days it was, you know, the, the 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 landline phone. Yeah, yeah. I knew there was a but, and there was a but. And he said, but um really sorry to say we have we will not be offering the you the post. Uh, and and because of who I am and where I've been, so I react really immediately. And I said, oh, okay, um, can you tell me why? And and he said, oh, you know, um, the HR will be providing uh, some feedback for you. And I said, no, no, no. I said, I don't need feedback. And he said, oh, now he's taken aback by my reaction. And he said, <laughs> well, why do you say that? And I said, no, no, no. I said, you were on the panel, right? So you're saying that I blew you away and the two other people on the panel. So I thought, you know, I did exceptionally well. So I don't really need feedback. I just need to know the reason why you're rejecting me. Mm. So he, and then there was quiet. And then I gave him a lifeline, which I've always done throughout my career. <laughs> and I said, um, I'll tell you what. I said, if you tell me what the real reason is, I will never, ever share with any other person. I said, it's just offline. It's for the benefit of me so that I understand. Okay? And he said, the reason why we didn't, because we're not ready for someone like you. And I said, when you say someone like me, what do you actually mean? And he said, "Uh, you don't need me to spell it out. He said, let me put it this way. The person that I've gone with, the name, uh, he said, he's a, he's somebody I know who I've worked with. He's a pair of safe hands, doesn't have the credentials that you have, doesn't have the qualifications or the abilities that you have, but I just know that I'd be quite safe with him. Whereas you, I'm not sure my staff or the prisoners uh, are, are ready for somebody like you. And I said, oh, great. Okay. Thank you so much. You know, um, all the best. Right? So you know there's going to be a different ending to this story. So uh <laughs> right, karma works in wonderful ways, mm. right? So I go off into the distance doing my whole thing that I'm doing, doing other jobs and stuff. Now I'm not sure if it was two years later or three years later, that particular prison has an inspection and it's declared not fit for purpose. Okay, right. because mm. this particular governor had been there far too long, right? Had taken the eye off the wall, mm. uh, and therefore they had failed miserably, right? And consequently, they were moved on to the great pastures mm. Like mm. The time, early time. Okay.
2: Mm.
1: And the the wonder of this story is as I was coming in, they were leaving. And I shall leave
0: it there. <laughs> so, sorry, was that was was that the person who you were on the phone with? Right, he was okay, okay. Wow, yeah, yeah, karma indeed. Calmer indeed. Karma <laughs> indeed.
1: And yeah, so as mm. I was entering, he was mm. leaving with his little brown box. Mm.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: well, done <you. laughs>
1: no, well done, you. No, yeah, like I said, uh, we have to be very mindful that, um, as a consequence of this interview, we don't, you know, uh, breach confidentiality and uh, absolutely. I'm not here to to expose people or anything, but I think that the reason for sharing these stories is, uh, and they're very much real incidents and real people. But just to, to that, that there is so much learning from this so much yeah. learning you know that um people say to me all oh, sad you know in 2023 you know when i'm talking to I- institutions or corporations about uh empowering enabling women and, and that empowering women sounds so dated and you know oh do we really need to you know we've had black lives matter we've had me too movement, and you're like yes we do need to because this there is an illusion that we have made so much progress, but when you mm. actually translate your data, when you look at the food chain of your organizations, you tell me who's sitting at those tables.
2: Yeah. You know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And if you can't yeah. name one single person of color at that table, then yeah. perhaps you know there is some work to be done. Yeah. Yet. You know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 You said it earlier, didn't you? The illusion of inclusion. I. Uh... Yes. That's a that's a great that's a great phrase. Yeah. I yeah. think I
1: made it up as I went along somewhere. <laughs> uh, it's it, it oh. kind of stuck with me. Because it is, isn't it? It yeah, is yeah. your perception rather than your reality. You, you yeah. know lots of, and don't get me wrong, I know some fantastic chief execs, executive you know, directors and you know with the best intentions and you know that their heart's in the right place they do want to make that difference but somehow it doesn't it gets lost in the prioritizing or whatever it is because you know the day job and 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 then they tell themselves oh you know because we've got these nice fancy policies and you know and and you know but when you say well what's the lived experience of your people where are where are the people of color in your own and then they start to stutter and stumble and then you Mm. you know what can you do you know that's the reality isn't it that is the reality that we have to face
0: yeah no you're absolutely right thank you thank you for that um i really appreciate that um you you mentioned um about your probably your early days as a as a prison governor, um in the uh the infamous Wormwood Scrubs. Um I'm sure even our international listeners will uh will uh, have heard of it. Um that you know you uh you face challenges because of your gender, because of your ethnicity, because of your religion and 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 all of these things. And um you said that you know you you edit yourself to to fit in um i mean is that is that the is that the only way that you you coped with and and kind of moved moved past that that kind of you know that immediate discrimination that you were facing um and the perpetrators were just kind of you know fobbing you off in a way with eyes It's, it's It's all right. It's only sad, you know. She won't. She won't mind us kind of saying saying these things. She's one of us, sort of thing. Um, But I mean, do you? I mean, it it was a it was a different it was a different space that you were you were in then. Um, And it sounds like you know, like there are a lot of these quite hardcore. professions like that like like the the police like the military mm-hmm. um where you know if you don't if you don't make all all efforts to fit in then it's it's going to end up going wrong for you yeah. um but i mean how did you actually uh feel how did you how, how did you process that i mean if if there are people in similar situations to you and they're doing the same how do you advise them to to kind of manage that now with your with your kind of wise more experienced hat on how do do you wish that you'd handled it differently
1: um i don't in my defense uh I don't think I could have done anything differently. Yeah, yeah.
0: This is not a criticism uh, of, of what no, you no, did, no, by no, the way. No, no, this, absolutely. I, no. I'm, I'm just, just you this know, is really such fascinated. A good question
1: you're asking. Mm. And, you know, I wish I could say to you, oh my gosh, I wish I'd done things differently. And mm. you know, I died a thousand deaths inwardly. I didn't. For me, it was all about survival. Yeah, yeah. And also most of us will conform and edit ourselves. Yeah. And keep our mouths shut because it would be career suicide. You yep. don't want Agreed. that unnecessary in- uh, attention, right? Yeah. So I was very clear. I'd been given this opportunity that nobody else had had, okay? Yeah. I was yeah. the first. I think I'm probably the last. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> let's stick with the first bit. But, if you know, and for me, oh, my gosh, it was such a privilege. It was yeah. such a privilege. You know, don't get me wrong, it was, um, you know, the hours and the money wasn't great and and some of the stuff that you have to do is not, you know, I mean, it sounds interesting and and all of that because I think Mm. what the media and the world sees as prisons, but when you're in it, you know. um, uh, But I thoroughly enjoyed it and and I think we know. But looking back now, for me, there was no the way I behaved, but for it was simple. I was a very simple person. And, and I'll give you an example. So when I went into the into um into the prison, I became mindful that I was getting wrong type of attention. Okay. So when the staff officers would be approaching me, they weren't approaching me to, to seek advice and guidance on, on, on my management or leadership skills. They wanted to know what my number was and, and if they could take me out. Okay. Um, mm. Similarly, if I went into in, uh, onto a wing, and you know, uh, my 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 governor, the one. Uh, that I referred to, who started this, you know, wonderful journey for me. You know, he he said to me when I first landed at his person, he 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 looked me up and down. I'll never figure, Oh my God, I, I was just shaking, physically shaking. By the time he left me, part of his induction was to look me up and down, and he and he and he looked at me and he said, "I, I guess the people that appointed you, Sage, uh, you know, appointed you for for your credentials and your your experience and your qualifications." But he goes, the thing that's running through my head is that you're very similar to the age of you know, the boys that I've got locked up, okay? Mm. This was my induction talk, by the way. And he said, my worry is that these boys are locked up and they smell a woman before they see a woman, right? So um, if we're going to uh, say that you're going to stay in this prison, you're going to actually do the work, Put it this way you know i can't blame them for what they feel and they can do however i can hold you responsible so you really need to be mindful of who you are because if there's anything board that happens i'll be holding you accountable and that was my induction okay wow. right and so i was i always knew before my race i think my gender was an issue because of my age right so yeah um, so, so the, the editing, and I also knew that I had to rely, because prisons and police work on comradeship, mm. right? It's not a job where you can claim to be me and myself and I. There is no such space. You need mm. to have your, um, you know, your, your allies with you. You need to have mm. people around you if there's an incident. That is, it's the nature mm. of the beast. Yeah yeah so for me, I couldn't sort of sit there and sit on my high horse and challenge people and say, oh, well, actually that's racist, Or that's sexist. I'd be doing that all day, right? Mm-hmm. So for me it was just to sort of say, well, you know, I'm not here to change their attitudes. I'm not here to to challenge their sexism or any of their is or their limitations of their understanding or uh, of the world and, and and diversity. I'm just here to get through the bloody day right Mm, mm, and if mm. it means that turning a blind eye if it means switching off it means not responding or reacting to some of the crude you know jokes that they have you know for example simple things like you walk into a room put the kettle on love Mm. you know and it's like oh okay you know what me you know and Mm. and so is is those gender specific things that i just you know, and 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 what I learned to do, which which they thought was incredibly funny, was I became very, you know, um, I became like them. So I gave as good as, as I got, which is not something that I would expect anybody to respond, because that takes uh, a, a level of confidence. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, and to challenge and to push back. So the question that you're asking me, you know, what would my advice be? I'd like to think. While still maintaining my realism, I'd like to think that no person, especially today, um, given where we are, that they should be tolerant of anything that is untoward. The thing is, as a person, you know when somebody's being, uh, um, when they are treating you in a particular way or saying something, um, it doesn't matter. It doesn't need to have a name. You get this feeling. Does that Mm -hmm, make sense? mm -hmm. So if you if you know you're being treated differently or you're being um you know overlooked or unsupported or whatever, then you should always find somewhere to go and take that with you. Right. And what I mean to speak to somebody. Yeah, um yeah. you know, before you nobody's saying you have to challenge, nobody's saying that you have to to do anything, but as long mm. as you've got somewhere safe somewhere safe to Mm. go to to download to express to share what's going on get Mm. somebody else's insights get somebody advice and guidance build your allyship then Mm. make Mm. a decision do you want to do something or not i'm consistently having conversations by where women will say to me that my biggest challenge is my mean boss you know my Mm. manager and i'm Mm. saying okay if we know that the manager is never going to move we know that they're always going to oppress you and keep you down. Uh, they're not going to uh, enable you to to, to to do the things or develop or grow and yeah. go for those promotions. Then you need to pivot. You need to mm. make those decisions. And that mm. is what I teach today in my coaching, um, because we've got a long way to educate and inform. And, you know, I, I often get criticized, by the way, and I don't mind putting this into this space, Why I often get Oh, Saj, you're trying to work with the women when the actual problem is the institutions. I know that.
2: Mm I know
1: that but however what i'm teaching the women is right to to you know that you can get yourselves into place where you know where you don't have to tolerate any of this so you can pivot you can make choices you mm. you 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 can build your networking you can you know increase your confidence you can uh, learn to negotiate influence do all of those things you can get mm. yourself mm. A state where you don't need to put up with the crap you know mm-hmm. and why should we consistently wait for the organizations to get their house in order before we you know get ourselves into those spaces so i'm sort of saying smash your own inner glass ceiling pivot find a table where you feel most comfortable and where you feel accepted at
0: yeah 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 i i agree with that um you know as you say institutional um <laughs> evolution can yeah. be a bit bit glacial uh, uh, at yeah. its pace, and by the time by the time it's changed, you're 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 ready to retire, or you've already had your nervous breakdown by that by that yeah, stage. Yeah,
1: absolutely. You're
0: treated that absolutely. badly for so many decades. Um, do you think there is a um, a place for like speaking speaking up and calling it out?
1: Absolutely. Again, yeah. it's up to the individual. Yeah, uh, you know. Um, I'd like to say that there are only no repercussions, no consequences if you speak up, but there are, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. We know yeah. there are, okay? Yeah. And, and it's you taking on the institution, that's what it comes down to and with the best intention you might have some good allies you might have good colleagues that want to support you but i always say the proof is in the pudding when the time comes who is in your corner and too often you find yourself that you you, you're on your own it's me myself and i where is it anybody else so these are the choices that we all have to make individually you know and um you know despite what i've said i still hang on to the belief that the world is kind mm-hmm. right i still believe there are lots of people that have got kind intentions and they want to mm-hmm. do well they want to help they want to understand mm-hmm. um and you know so for me it's that just because one person or somebody's making your life miserable through bullying or you know their mistreatment or discrimination, whatever, doesn't mean, mean that you can't go elsewhere and start mm. again. You know? Yeah. yeah. What I don't endorse, and this is I really hope if there's one thing that people take away from this, what I do not endorse and sign up to is anybody having to suffer. Please, mm-hmm. please do not suffer. It's not worth it. Yeah. If your well-being uh, is compromised yeah. or it's been affected or impacted in a way that it shouldn't, then yeah. no, no amount of pay packets or agreement or contractual arrangements is worth it. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I would sort of say there is only one way up, and that is out. You know, remove yeah. Find something else, you will, you know. And people yeah. are too frightened, oh, you know, because, you know, of the climate we're in, and oh, oh, oh my gosh, you know. But it, you know, nobody should have to compromise or sacrifice or, 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 uh, or suffer. No, no, I would never no.
0: That. Life, life's too short, isn't it? And, um, and as you say, actually, the climate's quite a, a good one at the moment for people who want to move on. There's a lot of, there's a lot of kind of, um, Quite quitting going on, and there's lots of vacancies, and
1: yeah, you know, it's, it's a, it's yeah. a. There's always silver lining on every card, Yeah,
0: yeah, things. it's a, yeah. it's a seller's seller's market from an employment perspective, isn't it, at the moment? Yeah, so it is. uh it is. And there's 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 always overseas. <laughs> yes, of it, course. So. And
1: the world has shrunk. Um, I mean, we, yeah. we, you and I are laughing, but that is so true. The world yeah. has shrunk. You know, yeah, no yeah. longer are we bound because of hybrid working, home working. I mean. You know, dare Mm. I say, COVID did have a silver lining for some Mm. of us Mm. in the sense that was, I know, Mm. on balance that uh, it was horrendous and, you know, what we went through. But, you know, it gave us a new way of working, you Mm. know, and we can work remotely from anywhere then.
0: Yeah. Thanks uh, so much for that, Saj. Really appreciate um, your uh, huge amount of wisdom that comes from all of those experiences you've had um, on how to um, kind of navigate and work um, work past um, some of those um, really, really quite uh, terrible issues, really, at times. Um, so in addition to that excellent advice that you've just given us, um, do you have any other advice for our listeners on how to become a strong and kind leader? Because I very much look at you and, and think you are a very, very strong and very kind leader. So I love your insights.
1: Now, um I think immediately uh, what I've learned Uh, in recent years is about being your true authentic self for a long time I think um, and as a female and as a female of colour when I was being raised or even now in 2023 when you when you think about power when you think about leadership even as a female the first image that comes in into mind is um, power leadership is you know uh, equates to white male privilege so yeah. so for me um uh, and i see this in, in the business that i'm in but also uh in the corporate world i see a lot of senior women that are emulating men
2: yeah
1: and, and i also see a lot of senior men uh, that are very autocratic very directive very yeah. old sort of school thinking yeah. and and i guess what we've learned especially over the last four years and, and a lot of the the research signposts this and, and i've for one, practice this, and I've always felt it placed me in good stead, especially when I was in prisons and, and and mm. you know, so forth, is be your true authentic self, be you, be comfortable in your skin, and more importantly, really understand what your values are, because it's that's mm. what we'll see through. And, and too often, I think, when we mask ourselves or when we try to be somebody else, the mm. cracks always show. So so for me, what, you know, one of the, the biggest key takeaways I took away from my training when I was training to be a prison governor, um, my trainer or and tutor always said to me, A, say it as it is. And if you don't know, you don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think there is this assumption about because I'm in uh, a leadership position, so therefore I hold all the answers. Mm-hmm. You don't and and you know and i've come to learn that some of the best wisdoms come from those places or those people that you least expect it to so so it's you know i, I live by the mantra that my leadership there is no me myself and i
0: yeah 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 that's that's great really uh, really like that thank you um i mean i i i totally agree with you and I, and i hear what you're saying um how did how did you sort of um learn to become you know your your authentic the you know yourself your authentic self um and and carry that through in your leadership because um you know i think that a a lot of people out there will be thinking well i can't you know i don't i don't want to be me i can't i can't be me it's not it's not going to work i'm i'm too afraid you know they're not going to take me seriously if i'm my down-to-earth self and stuff like that how did you how did
2: you I do think it's that? through
1: trials and tribulations. I don't think you yeah. you set off making a declaration. Trust is so, so important. Feeling yeah. safe is also important for me. So, so uh, you know, and given the environments that I've worked in, um, those two issues have been very difficult because I yeah. know that uh, because of who I was and what I represented to, to many people, uh, and because of the bias that was involved, so it took me a lot longer to land. So, so, so uh, trust wasn't instant. Respect yeah. wasn't instant. Acceptance definitely wasn't an instant. So yeah. I had to prove myself. And and I remember in the early days, um, I desperately trying to imitate or emulate what my peers were doing because I wanted yeah. to blend in I didn't wish to be different
2: yeah. but then
1: I realized that actually too often when I just relied on my own instinct and I was being myself yeah. the the desired impact or effect was much more visible much more profound and mm-hmm. positive than I was tra- when I was desperately trying to be like you Adam does that make sense? So, so again, it's about, whilst it's difficult, and I always say this when I'm coaching, is courage is on the other side of fear. And then fear generates from... The, the the perceptions or, or the feelings that we have and and mm-hmm. too often i think you know the associations that we we make with something uh a dis, you know uh, uh, a situation is uh, dependent on on our own experiences but as you go through life one of the things that i think you know you have to come to terms with is unless you take a risk unless you try unless you practice you will never know mm-hmm. and um and but it's also having that level of awareness and using your own emotional intelligence to sort of say what is my real fear is my real fear that Mm -hmm. I'm going to do this and get it horribly wrong which I I think is very rare it usually Mm -hmm. is if I if I do this is it fear of rejection or is it fear of something else Mm -hmm. and it's more inward rather than this apportioning well you know if I say that Adam's not going to like me you Know mm. it tends yeah. to be less of that, more to do with who we are, and and you know the emotional baggage, as I call it, that we bring with us.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I I uh I, I think that's great, thank you. Um, yeah, really appreciate that. Um, you're you're absolutely right about um mo- modeling, you know, um, on 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 often um privileged white men who are you know, frequently in these uh, leadership positions um you know see, see it in medicine um with with female trainees um who who work for uh white male consultants you know um quite frequently um which is which is a real shame um but then you have thankfully got uh, those people that are on the receiving end of bad leadership and say to themselves I never want to be like that. I don't exactly. want to be like that person. Um, yeah. and, and that's when they can be, uh, you know, they're authentic selves, isn't it? So thank you. Um, well, do you do you have any take home leadership messages for the listeners you'd like to share? Um, th-
1: there are a couple that I live by. Mm. Um, which I've learned uh, over the, the decades that I've been in this space, and that is leadership is definitely not your positional authority, and there is no me and myself and I in leadership. Mm. It's a onward, ongoing journey. It's more to do with self awareness. Mm. And understanding yourself. So for me, you know, the work that I do with women, particularly around leadership, is about self-leadership because I do honestly mm-hmm. believe that when you lead you, yeah. then everything else follows. Um, I, I, I always say to women, the day that you have to remind people and have to assert yourself onto others and say, you know, I'm Sage, I'm the CEO, therefore you must listen, you are mm. doomed. Yeah. yeah. So so always, always come from a place of understanding, uh, self-awareness, self-leadership. And and you know, like you said, you know, what I call heart centered leadership, kind leadership, mm. because ultimately mm. when you strip us all back. You know, it's the humanity part of us that actually remains. So mm, it doesn't mm. really matter what shape or size or colour we are. So mm. it's it's really about, you know, as two human beings in this space, in this shared space, how mm. can we be respectful of one another? How can we be accepting of one another? How can we mm. be supportive of one another? And that is what I believe is true leadership.
0: That is beautiful. Thank you so much. Really, really like that. Um, great take-home messages there. Um, Okay so we're we're coming towards the um the final straight now so um what what are you currently excited to be working on that you'd like to share with the listeners and and hopefully they can get involved in, in due Okay
1: course? uh so I set up my coaching consultancy over 4 years ago um I didn't even have a business plan I don't. I really didn't. Honestly, I, I had a had a post it with a let, the three letter CEO, and I stuck it on my desktop, and that was the beginning of my je- business journey. Mm. Mm. And um, you know, God's been very kind to me. Um, you know, I. Whilst this is work, and yes, it's monetized, and it's you know, and it's the bread and butter, and it pays you know for me and my family. But ultimately, I do believe this is my calling, this is my purpose, and I, I feel very fortunate and privileged that um, mm. there are many people that don't even have this opportunity and I've got this. And I've, mm. and every single day I'm all about wanting to help women because, mm. uh, you know, from the stories that I've shared with you, that uh, when I look back on my life, the driver for the work that I do today is that when I look back on my life, I immediately see something that's amiss and what that that missing component or bit is that if somebody, perhaps a teacher a friend, a mentor or or an employer or a colleague had uh, been in my corner, At any given point, my life would have been so incredibly easier and much simpler and less traumatic. So today, um, I don't believe that I am unique in any way. I do believe that my story resonates across the landscape for men Mm. and women, you know, like I said, from all backgrounds. And so for me, what's important is that I am that one person in your corner mm-hmm. so yeah. so that's been the drive and I've been ultimately blessed with the work that I've got but more recently one of the things I came to learn because I lean into coaching with you know women more importantly mm-hmm. I work with organizations uh who have the illusion of inclusion and really get them to think about how are they promoting women into leadership but more importantly how are they promoting women of color into leadership
2: yeah
1: um, um and so so for me uh, one of the things that came to to, to to my mind was, as women, we're not very good at investing in ourselves. We're not very good at prioritizing. So I, I recently, I think we're six weeks old. Uh, I recently launched the Lead Hership Academy. And there is no typo, by the way, it's deliberate. So yeah, Lead Hership yeah. Academy yeah. Uh, with the capital H-E-R in the middle and the leadership academy is an online private members uh platform which enables women to to subscribe to for a very small nominal fee and they can come into that space uh, where they have access to one-to-one coaching group coaching webinars masterclasses, a private community of like-minded women and, and I really wanted uh, to, to create something that was easy, accessible and affordable for the women. So they, just like a gym membership, they could, you know, subscribe to this, knowing that they need coaching. But one of the things was the reservations of money and, you know, how many sessions will it take? So for me, it's like, you, you know, this is an ongoing, ongoing journey. So mm. come along, subscribe to it. You can opt at any point, but whilst you're there, it, it, it is really about growing and learning and evolving, mm. and more importantly, being with other like-minded women mm. who are on a similar mm. journey. To you. So we 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 launched this six weeks ago. Um, so that's the space I'm in. So, and then yeah. so I have two sort of hats. One is uh, the Lead Hership Academy, but then mm. I have I do work uh, alongside corporates and organizations that are really interested in promoting and and uh grow and what I call home growing their, their mm. female talent uh, as part of their succession planning.
0: Fantastic Lead Hership Academy alum make sure the links uh, to that Thank are in you. the um yeah and is that um that as you say it's a a kind of people can join and leave when they want so people could just absolutely. join absolutely yeah. you know
1: for me you know Excellent. easy accessible and affordable right yeah. so yeah. and I, I you know it's 39 pounds a month yeah right yeah. Yeah. 39 pound a month and for that yeah. subscription you get online uh private community access to a private community mm. of women mm. uh because it's not all about me and you know coaching it's also yeah. about the you know that uh, I always believe it's all the so the breadth and the width in you know, of, of all the other people that are in that community mm. and then, you know, we have weekly webinars, we have masterclasses, being a psychologist, I understand that people have different learning styles, so we've, we have articles, we have blogs, we have online coaching programmes, so basically you can go in and you've got this full menu, and yeah. the beauty of it is um the subscription stays the same, but you can... Mm-hmm pick and choose what you want from the menu and yeah, in yeah. your own time in your own space uh, as we know you know we are time starved when it comes to to, to women and working mm. and business and children and all the other hats that we mm. play so you do it in your time and yeah. you do as much or as little as you wish
0: yeah brilliant absolutely brilliant love that um and if, if any of the listeners would like to reach out to you and um, and hopefully ask you about uh, the, the Leadership Academy and, and other things um, and get you to go and do workshops and and yeah, uh, public absolutely. speaking and stuff. So we for we them. also partner. Um,
1: we also partner with organisations. And again, you know, uh, with all the, you know, given where we are financially, economically in the world, mm. you know, um, anything bespoke i'm always for me what's important is that i have access to the women mm-hmm. that i can you know work with and and, mm-hmm. and i can impart sort of value and and impactful mm-hmm. so yeah. so you know i'm more than happy to do bespoke stuff it's not mm-hmm. you know i offer yeah. coaching programs but i always say to the corporate world you know if there's anything specific that you want you know, I do keynotes, come along, share my mm. story through the sharing of that mm. story, inspiring others. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. You know, um, it, it could be a workshop. It could be a lunch and learn session. So there's mm. so much scope and flexibility. Mm. It really is about what the need, what the business need is.
0: Yeah. Yeah and and how how can um individuals and, and organizations reach out to you if they Okay so I have got inquire. two websites
1: not one mm-hmm. but two mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so, so the first one is uh is www
2: mm-hmm.
1: instituteforchange.net
3: yeah
1: and okay. the, the second one is www. leadership academy Dot co dot uk. Brilliant yeah so for the individual women that uh you know some of your listeners for the individual women that are really interested in the academy i would really encourage them to get in touch with me through their Hership mm-hmm. academy website mm-hmm. and uh, they can go on there it's it's so simple they can navigate yeah. it enroll you know um uh, and connect with me and for, for the corporations institutions it's www.instituteforchange.net which yeah. They can, again, contact me and we can kickstart a conversation.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Well, that's great. Um, I hope lots and lots of people reach out to you. um, Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, uh, it sounds like really, uh, really important work. Um, Finally, do you have any any closing words you'd like to share with the listeners?
1: There's so much, you know, you want to say, but I think in summary (laughs) I just want to sort of say um, when I look back in my own life, you know, and I always start with that my story is your story and it will resonate on many levels with many people.
2: Mm -hmm. And
1: for me it's uh, one of the things that I would love listening to is that, you know, some of us are really shackled by where we've come from and the circumstances that we're born into. And, you know, we are the product of our experiences and life choices, but that doesn't mean that it always has to remain that way. You know, and I believe through you know coaching or mentoring or you know whatever the path that you choose there is always an alternative and, and I think ultimately it always comes back down to when you you know being kind to you and actually being right. aligned with what you desire what you want rather yeah. than living a life that is um, it, you know, it's what the book says: live your chosen yeah. life, you know, life of your own choosing, rather than than one that's being dictated to you by others, yeah. or or mm-hmm. you know, because of their expectations or mm-hmm. whatever it is.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the Brilliant. one
1: line that I am going to leave you on a much lighter note, and it's come <laughs> to me, and it's it's something that I live by. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm probably going to give up my give away my age. So big girl crush. Julia Roberts, you know, watched every movie that she's been in, from Pretty Woman to all of them. And <laughs> there is one particular movie called The My Best Friend's Wedding.
2: Yes, I'm very and, familiar with uh, it. Yeah.
1: So, so, so there is a scene there where she feels absolutely defeated because her best friend happens to be her lover, but he's going to go and marry somebody else. And she realises mm. that, you know, she's not going to be able to, claim him and they're not yeah. going to live happily ever after because he is in love with somebody else. And she sits in this hotel room and lights up a cigarette and this cleaner happens to walk past. And it's this one line that I've carried throughout my own life. And I hope it, it will um, it will resonate and, and have the value that it has had for me. And the cleaner looks at her and realises that she clearly is in a, a very uh, not so good place. And she looks at her and she says, just remember my lovely there's absolutely nothing you can't recover from except death itself.
0: Mm. That's good. That's really good. <laughs> yeah, I really like that. that's a that's a great way to uh, to end. That's they, they are cl- closing words um, to remember. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you, thank um, you so oh, much. Oh
1: thank you, Adam. Thank you for this wonderful opportunity. Wow. Uh you know, it's been a, such a privilege and honour uh for somebody like me to come on your podcast and, and you know, through sharing my story, I mean access to, to your listeners. So so thank you
0: somebody like you you're 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 freaking amazing mate uh <laughs> oh, <thank you. laughs> when i when no, i met you, you i'm like wow this uh this woman is very special she needs to she needs to come on the show and uh and, and no thank yeah, you story i mean yeah. you know uh you you <laughs> you had me at prison governor <laughs>
1: you, you know uh, that most most yeah 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 no, oh, I think wow. uh, I have most people at that point yeah <laughs> it's, been, oh, it's been a running thing
0: amazing yeah. amazing well thank you thank you again yeah. so much for yeah. coming on the show sharing all your wisdom and wonderful advice with the Saj and thank you to um the audience for listening um before I go I just want to share a brief word about a new online course I've I've co-written on how to become more assertive maintain boundaries and say no that's recently gone on sale for 70 us dollars or 55 pounds i'll put the link at the bottom of the show notes so please check there or send me an email if you're interested thank you very much so until the next episode in two weeks all that remains is to wish you all health happiness and inspiring leadership take care thank you so much for joining me and my guest on the inspiring women leaders podcast today I really hope you enjoyed listening to the episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. If you did, please download the show and leave it a rating and a review so that together we can share the amazing lessons we've learned from my guests with listeners far and wide and help as many aspiring leaders as possible. Most of my podcasts will also be uploaded to my YouTube channel, Dr. Adam, Physician Coach, so please check out my channel there and hopefully you'll find some videos on similar topics to watch and enjoy. Finally, I have some exciting new group coaching programs and a membership scheme in the pipeline. So please keep a regular eye on my website www.dradamharrison.com That's www.dradamharrison.com for updates. Thank you again for your time today and please join me next time, two weeks from now on Alternate Wednesdays for another brilliant episode of Inspiring Women Leaders.